This is PhotoBizX, episode number 547, and today we are talking Google Ads specifically for photographers to attract clicks from real potential clients. And I believe if you've ever been scared off trying Google Ads or you have experimented and had no success in the past, this will be the interview that changes everything for you. Our special guest is Google Ads expert Katie Griffin, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business, even faster than going it alone. And like I said, I believe this will be the game-changing interview for you if you've ever considered utilizing Google Ads and didn't know where to start. So stick around for that. It's coming up in just a second. Well, in just a minute. Before we do get into that, if you didn't catch last week's episode with Tracy Mock, definitely get back and have a listen to that one, particularly if you are interested in giving kindy or kindergarten or preschool photography a try, depending on how you refer to that genre. Tracy had a or does have a successful wedding and portrait photography business with her husband, She loved photographing kids. She decided to give kindergarten photography a try and it has turned into a six-figure business since branching into that genre. She shares exactly how she went about that in the interview and at that time she also shared the fact that she did Trina Julius's fantastic course on getting started in kindy photography and how to make it a profitable business. So you'll be happy to know that if this is a genre you are interested in, I have a follow-up interview with Trina Julius coming to you next week. But I think you'll get a great idea about all things preschool photography if you tune into that interview with Tracy Mock from last week. I do have a couple of quick announcements I want to share with you, but I'm going to leave them until after the interview today with Katie. But I will give you a heads up. One is the fact that the AI training, the AI marketing training for photographers is happening this week with Brianna Schrader. And after this interview with Katie, I'm going to share an email that Brianna sent me that revealed the fact that when she combined her use of AI with her Google ads, things changed dramatically in her business. So I'm going to talk about that after the interview today with Katie. Also, If you are hearing this episode as it does go live, I will be in Adelaide next week for the Tour Down Under. No, I'm not competing in the race. I'm there as a cyclist to enjoy the race, to go cycling every day. And I'm looking forward to catching up with you if you are based in Adelaide or if you're going to be in Adelaide at the time. The catch-up is going to be on Thursday evening, and I'll have details about that after this interview with Katie Griffin. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. Oh, and just one last thing. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. What that means is you will not hear the full interview today with Katie. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. The good news, you can access the full interview, get access to the full back catalog and get an idea of exactly what you're missing out on every single week by checking out the $1 30-day trial. And there are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. 
great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is a Google AdWords expert with a difference. And from what I understand, she has a knack for cutting through a lot of the technical jargon associated with Google ads and really is focused on getting her clients measurable results. And if you take a look at the reviews and testimonials, when you go searching for her name online, you'll find examples like this one from Stacy, where she says, it's so refreshing to see someone in this space who cares about seeing people succeed, actually getting leads and making sales rather than just a pricey ad manager who doesn't care about delivering a result. And on her website, she says what she does is for small business owners who want to cut through the tricky tech and create seriously profitable Google ads. She also has a podcast on the topic, multiple courses from basic to advanced and offers consulting services and Google ad audits as well. To date, over 1,500 students have benefited from her training. I'm talking about Katie Griffin. Oh, I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Katie, welcome. Thank you. I have not read that testimonial or review out loud from Stacey. I should actually, you know, go back on a bad day and look at them because I do have some good some good ones. That gave me a little pep in my step, that one. You do. And is that the vibe you get when people discover you that, um, you know, oh, oh my God, finally someone who actually cares about getting results? Yeah, I think there's a couple of points of difference that work in my favour in that the marketing space can often be dominated by men and that for females can be quite intimidating a lot of the time. So most of my students are actually women. We have men as well, but you know, they actually want to upskill rather than just be talked to in a really confusing way. And also, you know, I'm pretty straightforward and down to earth. I don't really put a lot of mayo on things. So I think when you just talk in everyday language, it is refreshing rather than trying to overcomplicate things. I mean, it's always inevitable that there'll be acronyms and jargon in any industry, but trying to just bring things back into how it relates in everyday kind of language rather than fancy marketing speak. It feels like your business is like uh, like a mechanics, you know, where you st- the stereotypical woman doesn't want to go and see the mechanic because they feel like they're going to get ripped off. Yeah, that's actually a really good analogy. I should use that. I'm going to swipe that. But it actually is, because, and I'm also the mechanic that's like the old school mechanic that doesn't have a fancy place and kind of in the back alleyway, you know, I'm very much like nothing is fancy about my business. I don't really care about aesthetics or social media. I don't really care what things look like. It's about how it performs like the numbers wise. So I'm probably, yeah, a lot like that old school mechanic that gets results, but isn't overly, you know, fancy. I feel like the things that make your business look pretty aren't necessarily the things that affect the bottom line of your business. I mean, photography and all that sort of stuff, obviously, but when it comes to like perpetuating, you know, this really um, making things really pretty all the time, I don't think, I think that often gets in the way. Yeah. I like that. I like that. How did you get into Google AdWords to start with? Yeah. So I was an e-commerce business owner trying to figure out how to grow that store. This was uh, 10 years ago now and was listening to podcasts on SEO and Facebook ads, was dabbling in sort of all that stuff. And until I listened to a podcast on Google ads, I was like, I think like, I think I can do this. And I tried to bumble my way through some YouTube videos and set things up. And even though I didn't really know what I was doing, I was able to get some results. And I really liked that visibility between I can spend this amount of money and get this amount back in. I can see the orders coming through and I can tie back results where I'm very impatient. So SEO was like, oh, yeah, I've done some stuff, some optimization, but I can't say for sure that it's like 
this tangible benefit. So I really like that clear link between money spent and money received. So then I realized that it sort of suited all my skills. I really love numbers and data and all that sort of geeky stuff. So I decided to sell the e-commerce business and go agency side in the Google Ad space. Worked at one of Melbourne's most, um, it has one of the best reputations worldwide, really, of being a Google Ads agency. It was founded by a guy called Mike Rhodes, who literally wrote the book, The Ultimate Guide to Google Ads, joined his team and just had the best experience working there. And then was there for about three years before I had my second baby. And I was like, I don't think I can commit to like that full-time in the city kind of job anymore. I need to kind of take a back step. So I wanted to have my own business where I have a bit more flexibility. So have been running this business, which is half split between the done-for-you client work and half split between the teaching side with courses. Started about four and a half years ago and... I'm still part-time, like I only work three to four days a week, but I'm able to, you know, get the best of both worlds, do the teaching and also do the client management. No, and it's not just you in the business either, is it? Because I've been speaking to Hannah to set this interview up. Yeah, so I've got a team now, an amazing team. Actually, Hannah and Lily were two of my students. So Lily's been with me for about four or five months now. They're both Kiwis based in New Zealand and they were both students of mine going through my big course, which is like a 12-week Google Ads course to upskill you. They were both freelancers. So going through it to run ads for clients. And then I advertised positions and Hannah joined me over two years ago, Lily, nearly six months ago. So they bring a lot of a viewpoint of a student. So we really see ourselves as I think often when you're doing a course or even hiring someone to be a client manager, having that experience of actually being on the other side is really helpful. So me being an e-commerce business owner gives me a lot of insight to be to know how much the client cares about the money and cares about what's going on. And Lily and Hannah can know what it's like to be a student on day one, not knowing anything about Google Ads and how to piece all those puzzle pieces together, those steps together. So, and then we've got a couple of admin support teams. So it's about, we're a team of five now, which is, yeah, awesome. Fantastic. So you mentioned there, like that you have clients where you manage their ads and their ad accounts, and you also have courses. When a photographer is thinking about going down the road of utilizing Google Ads, which is the right avenue to go to? Or is there a split when you think, okay, this is the better road for me? Yeah, it's a great question. Particularly with photographers, you guys aren't going to have a huge ad spend because there's only one, or if it's a you know one person photographer, you can't go nationwide and have, you know, the goal isn't volume. It's really steady leads, lead flow, right? It's lead flow, not orders. So it's a different mindset than it is or a different strategy than it is with e-commerce. E-commerce, you're looking volume. And so you, you might get up to spending, you know, I've got a client that over this Christmas period, they might spend $200,000 in a 30-day period. We're talking about a lot of scale. So absorbing our fee into that, which might be $2,000, is a drop in the ocean. But when you're a photographer, you're probably not going to go past like the $500 mark a month ad spend. So absorbing that $2,000 doesn't make the most sense. So my kind of tipping point is when you reach that three to $5,000 of ad spend and you're looking to scale up, then it's time to consider outsourcing. However, I don't think photographers will ever get to that point because if you're spending $3,000 to $5,000 a month on ads, that's a lot of leads, focus on converting them rather than focus on scaling that ad spend. So there's slight differences between that in that e-commerce, you're looking at like an average order value. It depends on what type of photographer you are. You might be 
a newborn photographer or a maternity photographer that also offers newborn and family sessions. If you get someone in at the newborn stage, you might have a lifetime value of 5000 if they then go through and do the newborn photo shoot and then a couple of family shoots led down the track. So you could still outsource because that fee could be compensated against that lifetime value. But I wholly believe, like we, I wouldn't personally take on a, a photographer as a client. I think it doesn't make sense for you guys to be outsourcing and paying a fee. It'd be better off upskilling and say our course, it might be the cost of three months of outsource management, but you've got that skill to be able to then go and run ads for yourself. And we've had photographers go through it and then they're able to dial in that lead flow. So then when they've got it, like if they're booked out, they just can turn, you know, wind down budgets for a few months. If it's coming up to their busy season again and they've got some capacity, turn up those budgets. It's really about dialing in what are the keywords that lead to inquiries that suit you and your specialty. Right. Well, I'm going to ask you about keywords in just a minute. Yeah, sorry, I jumped the gun. No, that's all good. It's all good. That makes total sense there. When earlier you said, you know, you loved your e-commerce business and having the Google ad, you can turn them up, you can, you know, you can increase your spend and you're obviously making more sales. You can measure that, you get all geeky. How do you know that your ad has produced the results and it's not just an organic sale? Yeah, conversion tracking. So conversion tracking is my number one non-negotiable in any ad account. So for a photographer, that might be uh, your contact us form, placing a bit of code on the thank you page or the thank you, whatever indicates that the form has been submitted and having that fed through to Google ads. And then what happens that Google is intelligent enough to say that if this keyword, someone clicked on this ad and then they filled in a form, it can feed back that information and we can see, okay, well, we had 10 form fills this month and three of them came from this keyword, four of them came from this keyword and another three came from this keyword. So you can see what is generating those leads. And then the goal is to try and figure out which are the ones that drive the best, you know, the highest volume at an appropriate price and which ones are duds. So again, I was looking at a student account today and there was one keyword in an ad group that had spent maybe $500. Another one had spent $20, but the $20 one has been converting. So what happens if we turn that $500 one off that's just churning through money and allocate more budget to that one that's actually converting? But yet, conversion tracking allows us to be able to tie back that information and tell Google, if someone hits this thank you page and they've come for an ad, make sure you attribute it back to the keyword that drove that click. Okay, so do I need to have a separate thank you page or separate lead form for each different campaign I'm running? For example, if I'm running a Facebook ad and I'm also running Google ads, and they, can I direct them both to that same landing page and Google still knows that it's come from Google? Yeah, so when someone clicks on an ad, it's what's called a GCLID, gets added to the URL of, um, so if it's your landing page, my landing page, katiegriffin.com, if I was running a Google ad, anytime someone clicks on a Google ad, it has this thing called a click a Google click ID, GCLID attributed to it. And then that's the way that Google measures that back. So it doesn't matter what URL it is. It just matters whether the GCLID kind of can tie back that information. So you don't need to have separate landing pages at all. And the setup, the actual setup of that conversion will depend on what site you're on. Are you on Squarespace? Are you on WordPress? Whether you have a thank you page, a lot of sites don't have thank you pages attached to contact us form fills. It's easier to set it up if you do, but they might have just like a success message. So if you think about the execution of setting up a conversion, if you can just tell Google, if someone hits this URL, that means they've converted. 
that's a lot easier rather than if they clicked this button on this URL, that's a bit more technical, but still doable. So it's not a separate landing page. It's just a separate bit of code. Okay. So if I have a WordPress site, I'm probably going to have a plugin that allows me to add that code. Yeah, correct. So we usually do that through Google Tag Manager, which there's a plugin on WordPress called like GTM for WP or something like that, (laughs) GTM for WordPress. And that allows basically us to enter code without messing with the theme and the the back end and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's sort of an intermediary plugin that we can use. Got it. Now you said something interesting that caught my ear and I'm guessing the listeners as well is you said, if you're running an ad, you're going to send people to your landing page, katiegriffin.com. And to me like, whoa, that's your homepage. Uh, Would you send someone to a homepage if you're a photographer? No, not necessarily. Sorry. I was just using that as an example of like, it'll attach the G clid to that. My ideal wouldn't be sending to a homepage. It would be to send to the most relevant landing page to what you're trying to get the person to buy or opt into. So if it is your wedding photography package, then a wedding photography page with, you know, that you already should have on your page, your services page or whatever it is. So the relevant services link that then gives more information and then also a chance to make that call to action. So whether it's submitting a form, filling out an email, you know, whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. just taking out the step from just sending everyone to the homepage and then having to navigate around, take that, make it easier for the end user and send to the specific service or offering that you're trying to advertise. Got it. Got it. Okay. Like with the ads, like there's a lot of listeners to this podcast that have a lot of success with Facebook ads. And a lot of the time, what the photographer is doing is running a, uh, a style of ad where they're offering a free session, a print credit, and then getting people, because it's a no risk to you. So let's say you see that ad in your Facebook feed. You think, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I've got a photo of my two kids and my husband, and there's no risk. I'm going to get the free session. I'm going to get a free print or free credit. That's super successful for us. Can I run something like that as a Google ad, or do I have to be more general with my advertising on Google? So you can use that offer, but think of it in that when someone's browsing Facebook, you're trying to actually get in their head and say, oh, have you thought about a photography session? They're not consciously aware of that yet, or they haven't looked, they're not looking for that at that particular moment. They might need it. They might like in their mind, oh, I need to get those family photos, but you're getting in their face when they're not actively searching for that. On Google, people are typing in, you know, family photographer near me, whatever it is. They're actively searching for that solution. So you don't need to have a specific offer in order to run ads because also remember that your ads are generally text-based. You're not able to use like your video or as much imagery with Google ads. So what you're really trying to do is get people to your site and then you can have that offer on your site as like a, when they get there, they realize that they've got that offer, but you don't need to. But it's a great idea. Like it'll probably increase your conversion rate and you'll get, you know, better lead flow from that. But The difference is people are actually searching for you as a solution when they're on Google rather than being sort of in the awareness interruption style marketing that Facebook will serve. So both complement each other. Right. So I hadn't even thought of this, but you just planted the seed there. So I could run a Google ad campaign and send people to a landing page, which actually has that offer on the landing page. So I'm just going to try and get the clicks from Google to that offer. Yes. But with Facebook, there's a better adoption rate of those type of landing page kind of offers, right? So if it's like a, you know, opt-in to get this, that's much more suited to Facebook. I would have it as, as long as it doesn't look really Mm promo-y, 
like really heavy on the, and I'm sure you don't do this, but you know, those ads that are like, you click here and then it's like a one click upsell and then it's this and then it's that. Obviously it's not going to be like that, but have it actually still addressing the fact that they're looking for that photographer because you're not trying to convince them that they need one. You're trying to convince them that you're the right person to take photos of them. Right. Okay. So with a Facebook ad, you have to convince them that, you know, you're trying to convince them that this is what they need in their life. Yeah. Like don't miss this. Yeah. They've already decided that you're trying to convince them that your style of photography is the right style for them. You're the person that's meant to photograph them and their family or their wedding. Right. Okay. So you could have a more uh, selling my, me and my style as the right photographer for you on the landing page and then have the offer at the bottom. Correct. Yeah. A little bit more subtle. I wouldn't hit them with the offer straight up because they're probably like, oh, I don't know. I think with the Facebook ad, you're probably mentioning that in the Facebook ad and it's probably a key part of the Facebook ad copy or whatever it is in the click for the Facebook ad. With Google, they're probably not even reading the ad copy, to be honest. It's just where you're sitting on the page ad-wise. Like think about the amount of times you've Googled something and probably haven't even read the headlines or anything like that. It's really just, are you showing? Are you there? And then they're clicking through. And if they're clicking through and seeing an offer that they weren't expecting to, it might be a bit disarming. So yeah, put it down a little bit. Got it, got it. Just a, a side thing here. I just noticed now, or just the last couple of days, that Google has changed their, like when you do a search now on the page, it's not page one, two, three, four, five, six. It's just a long scroll. I know. It's really annoying me. I just noticed that <laughs> the other day as well. And like there's ads like throughout the page. Yes. And it's very, I don't like it, but yeah, there'll be four ads. I mean, up until um, we're recording this in November and up as of now, there's up to four ads at the top, four text ads, four search ads at the top of the page. And I used to be able to say there's could be up to four at the top and maybe four at the bottom, but now I'm like, oh, three in the middle and you keep scrolling. So it's pretty annoying, but yes, it seems to be a just a one big long scroll. Yeah, I'm curious now. I think personally that more of those ads in the middle will get clicked now because I used to think, oh, I'm going to skip past the ads and go to the, the organic post first, but now they're sort of hidden in there halfway down. I Yeah, but I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. Be interesting to see. We used to be able to tell, we used to be able to have this metric inside Google ads called average position. So you could say, you know, for this keyword, our average position is number seven, which meant that you were the seventh listing on the page or one, whatever it is. You don't get that now. So it'd be interesting, like what sort of click through rate those lower positions get. I don't know. Okay. So how do you choose, or how does Google choose who goes in position one, two, three, or four? Is that a bid, an auction? Yeah. It's, I mean, there's other factors that come into it, which are more technical, you know, quality score, blah, blah, blah the most basic level, you pay high, you get higher on the page, right? So the goal is to not be concerned about what's my click cost. You know, I don't want to pay too much. Well, I'm willing to pay $100 for the top position. Not that I would, but $100 for the top position if it means that I'm going to get conversion rate of 20%, you know, I'll convert that all day long. So it's about working out which keywords deserve to be spending enough money to get them on the top because those keywords might have a four to five times higher conversion rate, which means Yes, it pays more to get the click, but it pays less to get the lead. So focus on what the output is, not what the input is. Often people get hung up on, oh, this keyword, I need to get this keyword. The average cost per click is too high. I need to get it down. And they're just looking at that one stat and I look a little bit across on the screen. I can see, yeah, that's your highest converting keyword and it's got the best cost per acquisition. Why are you focused on bringing that cost there down? Let's focus on how we can bring it up so we can get more. Right. Yes, that makes sense. You know, like cost per click is irrelevant if it's converting within your goals. Absolutely. Okay, so let's say I'm going to go into Google Ads. I'm going to set up a campaign for my photography business. And I know, like I've looked at my numbers and I'm willing to spend up to $100 to get a bum on a seat, to get someone in front of my camera. That's the maximum I'm prepared to pay. So I might need 
10 leads to get that one booking. I might need five leads to get that one booking. So is that a metric that you need to know or I need to know before I start my campaign? I mean, if you know that, you're steps ahead of everyone else. So what we like to do is work backwards and say, you know, as a client manager or if you're running your own account, have a goal to work towards. If you're just like, you know, if you have no benchmark of what's a good cost per acquisition and what's a bad cost per acquisition, you have nothing to optimize against. So A, having a metric like that $100 is great, but B, having a metric that's established from real-time data. So you know that. So we always like to teach people that, okay, let's work backwards. So if you know that your lead conversion rate, so any everyone that comes to your site, 10% of those people fill in a contact us form. Then out of those 10%, how many do you convert as paying, like how many become clients? Then we can work backwards and say, okay, well, is this an achievable CPA or not? Because we've got the data on, all right, we'll say the average industry cost per click is going to be X. You're going to spend, you know, we can work, we can use the numbers to actually extrapolate and say, well, yeah, based on your lead to client conversion rate, this looks like a really achievable number. And I have a calculator that I wore of just a G sheet calculator that I give to students to say, to be able to plug in those numbers, plug in your existing site-wide conversion rate from, you know, like a lead conversion rate, then lead to client conversion rate. And then your average client value, the average client value is $2,000. And those numbers, like how much can you afford to, it pops out sort of, this is what sort of data you're looking at and what a cost per acquisition could be for you. I know I've just yelled a lot of jargon, but. No, no, that's okay. So is it the cost per acquisition? Is that the ultimate number I'm trying to find? As a service-based business, yes. You're trying to find how much can you afford to pay per lead and still be profitable. So what is the number? Because the, and it's not just a break even, it's sort of like, say if you're, because I've sort of worked backwards there, say your average package rate is, your average booking is $1,000 as a photographer, right? So if you're willing to pay $100 per lead on the Google ad side and you convert, you know, one in every three of those, you're really paying $600 for each booking. Now, if your average customer value is $200 and you're paying $600 for a booking, that's pretty crap. Yeah. But if your average booking value is $5,000 and you're paying $600, that's really good. So the other stats will also impact. There's no one single, this is a good cost per acquisition. This is a bad cost per acquisition. It's all relative, but that's the stat that you're optimizing against because everything comes down to when you're looking in an account, what keywords come in under our cost per acquisition goal, what keywords come in over, how can we even it all out to make sure we're minimizing the bad, getting as much as we can out of the good. Right. So I basically, I have to start somewhere, throw some mud at the wall and see which ones start working. Yeah. I've got to put some skin in the game. 100%. Yeah. You'll never, like, I will never promise that anyone's ads will work because we don't know until we put the data out there. It's like a real-time experiment. You'll have the best opportunity to succeed, but we can't predict how someone's going to, what keywords someone's going to resonate with your, you know, that's all testing, finding that sort of stuff out. All right. So let me give you an example. So I opened up the Google ads, uh, is it the dashboard? Mm -hmm. And I've opened up keyword planner and I've put in a few search terms here, like uh, family portrait photographer, central coast, portrait photographer, central coast, uh, wedding photographer, central coast. And a couple of the searches or a couple of the search terms have, when you look under the average monthly searches, nothing, just a dash. And the other ones have from 10 to 100 or 100 to 1,000. So if it's just a dash, does that mean that there's not enough to even go after? I rarely take the keyword planners word for things because they'll often 
usually when it's got a dash, it just means essentially they don't have enough data to give you that. But 10 to 100 is still a really broad range. And you have to also remember that's for that exact match term. There could be variations of that that your keyword is matched to that aren't included in that those stats. So again, I wouldn't just, if that's a relevant term for you, focus on, and when you're in Keyword Planet, focus on relevance over number of people searching because the higher the number of people searching, the broader your reach will be. So an example would be if you're a photographer and you specialize in you know rustic weddings, let's say. If someone is typing in wedding photographer, yeah, they could be interested in you, but they also could be interested in a retro wedding or this or that. You don't know. And you might convert 1% of those people. Mm-hmm. If they type in you know, rustic wedding photographer, that qualifying word of rustic indicates a lot more purchase intent because you're much more likely to convert someone if that's what you offer. So even though that's probably got a 10th of the search volume behind it, you're probably going to convert a lot more of those people, have a lower cost per acquisition. So it's relevance over reach, right? And then if you went one step further and say you're a female rustic wedding photographer, and that's what someone's looking for, again, you're looking for you're wanting people to qualify themselves at the search term level. Because one of the biggest thing, and what I mean by qualify themselves, is indicate what they're interested at the search term level. So when they're typing something into Google, if I'm typing in the word photographer, most ad accounts for photographers will just be targeting photographer within 15 kilometers of my geographic, whatever it is. And the accounts go bust because photographer might have a lot of people searching for it. Are they searching for a photography course? Are they searching for how to become a photographer? Are they searching for what do photographers charge? Are they searching for, should I use a photographer? We don't know. They have not indicated at the search level what they're looking for compared to someone that searches for female rustic wedding photographer in you know, Tacoma. Okay. Suddenly that person has indicated exactly what they're looking for. And those people are a lot more primed to convert if that's the service you offer. So people get really, because I think with an SEO game, it's a mind switch because with an SEO game and with most things, you're looking to kind of get as much visibility as possible. Google, you're not trying to get visibility. You're trying to get the right type of visibility to the people that are going to convert. I love that. Okay, so I'm thinking, I guess, SEO or branding-wise and, and thinking about the terms, how I would brand me, my photography, my style, myself, and then using those keywords in my Google Ads. Correct. And not the keywords in the Google ads, because Google ads, think of that as the ad copy, those keywords to target people, which don't necessarily need to be in the ad copy. And then layering that on top with things like things called negative keywords, which then block people that might be searching for what you offer, but are indicating that they're the wrong type of lead. An example, cheap wedding photographer. Right. Cheap should be a negative keyword so that anyone searching for cheap, budget-friendly, you know, whatever, anyone indicating that they're price shopping, if you're on the premium side, they're not your people. Right. So you can make that a negative keyword so your ad doesn't show to that person, even though they're looking for a female rustic wedding photographer in Tacoma. Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. You mentioned, and I mentioned in the intro, that you've got courses. I know you've got a wait list for, I think, for the big course. You've also got a couple of smaller courses. Like, If I wanted to dip my feet in, like, should I go all in and just like, okay, let's just do this, or do I just you know, get my feet wet? A number of different ways. So I've got a free keyword series that expands more on kind of what we've spoken about today. That's totally free. That's my opt-in. That's totally free. It's on my site. Then there's a $30, it's US in US pricing, $30 
bootcamp, which is essentially module one of my course. The real focus of that uh, mini course is giving you enough information for you to make a decision about whether you want to invest in the bigger course. Because the bigger course, it's an investment. It's like photography. It's an investment that you're going to make in upskilling. So at least do one of the smaller ones to identify like, you know, it'll give you more tools to be able to see, is this something I want to continue further with? And then you can make the decision about the bigger course. But yeah, I'd go with keyword series. Free, couple of videos, and you'll be able to start doing some research on what keywords might be a good fit for you. With photographers, it's, yeah, it's quality over quantity. It's going to be a small ad account, probably one campaign, one or two campaigns. The stuff we teach you in the big course is the optimization, the account setup, because Google Ads is very technical and it's hard to get it right on your own. That's all covered in the big course. The mini course is really giving you information on, do I want to, here's, here's the theory, do I want to give it a more of a go? Right, okay. How many people do you encounter have tried Google Ads and lost a shitload of money and thought, okay, I've got to learn how to do this properly? 95% of people. <laughs> I mean, majority of our students. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to say no one. <laughs> no, majority of my students are coming to me and they've usually gone through even four or five agencies who burn through cash. We just got a client last week that was with an agency for six months. I looked inside the account. It's terribly set up and, you know, really poorly executed and he's paying money for that. We've had students in the past that have come to the course. They've been like, I'm so broken because I had four ad managers that were taking money and I realized now after going through the course that I was getting taken for a ride and they're also taking my money and they get better results when they learn how to do it themselves. So the skill of learning how to run your own ads is really, it's a hard skill to master because it is flexing a new muscle. It's learning a new language of ads and metrics and all that sort of stuff. It's hard. Google ads is hard in terms of the platform's not easy to navigate. It's confusing. But once you master it and you don't have to outsource it, that's where the magic happens. Majority of people get really taken for a ride, particularly if I can give any advice is if you're going to give it a go yourself, don't listen to what Google are recommending to you. Google are recommending things that are going to lie in their pockets. And it's essentially my number one bit of advice would be ignore Google. Don't do what they're telling you to do. They don't know what your account strategy is. They don't know what your goal is. They don't know what you're selling. You know, they're thinking with their best interest at heart, which is money in their pocket, you need to ignore that. And that's why you need to upskill because you can't trust the system because a system will burn you as well. Right. Okay. So like with all that being said, like with the long course, how long is the long or the big course? Yes. It depends on, you know, we usually give between three and six months of support in form of calls and Facebook support, but then you have access to the course for, you know, lifetime of the it's you get you get unlimited access to the course. It's not capped, so students go through it and then either decide to sign on to our rolling kind of membership with support, ongoing support on a monthly basis, or they get that big dose of support over the first three to six months and then they go and add it alone because they've always got access to the portal. We update videos because Google changes everything all the time, so yeah, it's kind of a it's your one stop shop to continuously refer back to to upskill and, and go through again. Did that, did that answer the question? <laughs> yeah, no, it did, yeah. So I'm going to have to dedicate a little bit of time to learn this, but once I've learned it, I should be right. Yeah, and the learning curve is steep. Like, I don't want to sugarcoat that. Your brain will be like, oh, my God, like all the, t-, you know, it's different to Facebook ads. They're a lot different. It flexes a different muscle. It's less creative. It's more data and stats. But the benefit 
can be really huge if you can tap into the right people on that platform. Love that. Awesome. Okay. Last question for you. Like if I'm running Google ads, does Google reward me in any other ways? Like do I go, uh, do I get better SEO rankings, for example, because I'm spending nothing? (laughs) No, no, they won't. They'll say stuff, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. No, you don't get a bump in anywhere else. Okay. So really it's a standalone thing. It's got nothing to do. Standalone platform. It's like if you're running Facebook ads and expecting a bump in Google organic SEO, it's not going to happen. So even though they're owned by Google, they're completely different sort of arms to their business and completely different tools. They don't have, you know, a crossover. Awesome. Okay. Got it. All right, Katie, where's the best place to go and learn more? Yeah, katiegriffin.com. That would be where my website is. Got everything there. There'll probably be a pop-up that will get you to sign up to that keyword series if you want. Yeah, that's really where everything lives. Awesome. Look, I'll add links to that and your uh, other social accounts with the show notes. And this has been awesome. Look, thank you so much for letting me throw those questions at you. And No uh, worries. You're awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Pleasure to be on. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Katie as much as I did. Katie, if you are listening, again, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you have. I loved the knowledge that you brought to the table, and I, for one, am personally excited about re-looking and re-experimenting with Google Ads for my business. So thank you so much. For you, the listener, I do hope I was right in suggesting that what Katie shares will change the way you think about Google Ads. And I do hope you got a ton from what she had to share. If you would like to follow up with anything that Katie shared, I've got links to anything and everything that she mentioned in the show notes for today's episode. And this week, they are at photobizx.com forward slash 547. And in those links, I've got one specifically to the free course that Katie mentioned, the three steps to Google Ad keyword success. I've actually gone through and done that training myself and I I absolutely loved it. You can find a link to it by going to photobizx.com forward slash keywords. That's photobizx.com forward slash keywords. That'll get you the free course. I did that. I loved it. I love the way that Katie presents and I since signed up and paid for her next course, which is the Google Ads Bootcamp. I'm partway through that. I'm loving what I'm learning here and I can see myself signing up for her larger masterclass as well. But what I would encourage you to do is go and check out that free course first, see what you think and see where that leads you and where you go from there. Oh, and I should say, if you do want to reach out to Katie personally, I've got links to where you can find her online in those show notes and I'll be adding her to the members Facebook group. So if you are a premium member, you'll have easy access to Katie there. If you have any follow-up question or questions regarding Google Ads, her training, her courses, her masterclass, or her coaching, whatever it is, you can hit her up inside the group and get easy access to her there. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Don't forget, if you are interested in learning AI or how to utilize AI for the marketing of your photography business, the training, the masterclass with Brianna Schrader is happening this week. You can still register for that training, get in at half price, because remember the price does double after the live training. If you do sign up for the live training, and even if you can't make it, you'll get access to the standalone course where I'll host the recording. You'll have access to Brianna if you have any questions after that training, whether or not you were there on the live recording. You'll also get the special prompts or secret prompts that she'll be sharing if you do sign up for the early bird special. Plus you get that $100 credit 
to use for any of the PhotoBizX courses that are currently available. And you can use that credit anytime you like in 2024. So a bunch of things to go along with the training. But what I'm most excited about, of course, is learning how to utilize this AI for your marketing. And I said earlier that I was going to share an email that Brianna sent me before or when we just started talking about the possibility of presenting this course. And she said in that email, and I'm paraphrasing a little here, she says, the real secret source that I have found over the last few months is the way I ran my Google ads with the help of a Google ads manager and chat GPT. So prior to finding someone to help with the Google ads, because I resisted them for so long after a bad experience years ago, with the help of chat GPT, I started looking for ways to better reach my ideal client. And one of the things that was suggested back when I was defining my ideal client avatar was an experience video to show people what it was like to work with me. So Brianna sat on that idea for a while before she implemented it, and she says she wishes she had done it sooner. She dug in deep with ChatGPT, and it helped her design a scene-by-scene video and write the script for it. And with the help of AI, she knew her client avatar so well, and this is what she's going to be covering in this week's training, that I knew my ads had to touch on all the things that potential clients don't want to see in a session, coupled with the things they don't even know that they actually want from the session. So the point of her video is to set the tone for the experience that she provides so that when people land on her ad or her Instagram account, they know right out of the gate, I'm not a shoot and burn photographer, I'm full service. And she says this has dramatically reduced the number of no thank you, that's way out of my budget conversations. Now when she first created this ad in the two weeks afterwards, she received five inquiries. These are Google ads where potential clients click on the ad and then go and see her experience video. So in the first two weeks, she received five inquiries. She scheduled three calls and booked two of those calls for sessions. So I think you can see there is so much potential upside if you can master and start utilizing AI for your marketing and your photography business. So again, if you want to learn more about the training that's happening this week, head over to photobizx.com forward slash AI marketing or go and check out the links in the show notes. But what I can tell you, Brianna will be sharing so much in this week's training, including how to create your perfect client avatar, how to create engaging social media content that will actually connect and resonate with your clients, your future clients. She's going to be sharing her perfect post formula to convert followers into paying clients and how to build an AI-driven content strategy for consistent growth on your social media, in addition to creating a captivating lead magnet that you might want to use with your Facebook ads or your organic traffic that comes to your website. It's going to help turn your prospects into clients. So again, so much is going to be covered in the first part of this four-part series of AI training that's going to be happening in 2024 with Brianna. But if you want to learn more and get a better idea if this is a good fit for you, simply head to photobizx.com forward slash AI marketing. One last thing before we close out this episode of the podcast, I will be in Adelaide next week for the Tour Down Under. It's a big cycling race that happens every January down in Adelaide. I'm heading down with a few mates to go cycling every day to watch the race, but I'm hoping, well, I'm planning to catch up with you if you are an Adelaide-based photographer or you're going to be in Adelaide next week. We're going to be meeting at the Prince Albert Hotel, which is in the centre of Adelaide on Thursday, 
the 18th of January at 6.30 p.m. I do have details inside the members Facebook group and I'll include some details in an email that I'll send you about this episode. But if you wanna reach out, send me an email. It's andrew at photobizx.com or shoot me a message on Facebook. I'd love to see you there if you're able to make it. Even if you can just stop by for a drink and to say hello, I would really honestly love to see you there if you can make it at all. Because for me, there is nothing nicer and better than putting faces to the names of anyone who listens to the Photo Biz X podcast. Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Katie Griffin. Make sure you go and check out her free course, which is fantastic. It's short, easy, and simple to digest and hit her up inside the members Facebook group if you do have any follow-up questions. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the AI training on Thursday morning Sydney time if you can make the live training. And I hope to see you if you are in Adelaide next week during the Tour Down Under. And if none of that applies to you and you're still listening, I hope you have a fantastic week ahead. Stay safe, healthy, and well, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 